Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles, first of all, tonight to 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to look at 1 Peter 4.8 as we start out in the message. Over the last little while, we've been talking about the topic of forgiveness. And I'm sure as we've talked about that, I'm sure that uh, probably for all of us, this is one of the most challenging topics that we have ever considered together. But I would also say, if you have begun to, or if you have ever in your life in the past allowed the Lord to work in this area of your life, I'm also pretty sure that you would say, like Matthew West said in that song, I'm I'm pretty sure you would say this could be one of the most powerful topics we could ever consider in God's plan and purpose for our life. And personally, I remember getting to that point in my life with this idea of forgiveness. I remember a time where... You know, I was struggling with some things, and, and I came to a point on some things where I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to do this. I'm your child, and I know you've forgiven me for so much. In fact, Lord, as I'm beginning to learn and understand about myself and about your work in my life, I'm beginning to understand that anything that anybody ever has done or will do to me is not even close to what I have done against you. So, Lord, I'm going to begin Seeking to live a life with your help characterized by forgiveness. But then as I did that, I hit a problem. And maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about tonight. As I thought about, you know what, Lord, I want to live a life of forgiveness. I found that sometimes the people that I wanted to, quote, make things right with weren't quite at the same point I was with that. Let me give you a couple of situations I ran into. I found out that some of the people that I wanted to forgive didn't think they had done anything wrong. Have you ever ran into that? I'm working up my gumption, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this, and and boy, I'm going to lay this on the altar, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to be gracious and humble, and I'm going to forgive you, and forgive me for what? I don't think I did anything wrong. Or I found that other people, maybe they did know they did something wrong, but they didn't care. They didn't want my forgiveness. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't important to them. Sometimes I found that, you know what, God had been working in my life, and and just for me personally, He had brought me to the place that that's where I was, that I was ready to deal with this, but I found that sometimes that person, they weren't at that place. They weren't ready to deal with it like I was at the time. I found that other people... I had been connected with earlier in life, but now I didn't have the same connection. You ever had that happen? Hey, I want to reconcile. I want to make things right. I want to get things together. But but what if someone's died? What if they've passed away? Or what if your lives have sort of converged? Or what? I mean, gone in different directions, diverged. What if they've gone in, in different paths and maybe you don't see each other as much anymore? You don't know each other really that well anymore. Found a lot of different scenarios like that in my life where it just... It just, it just didn't fit. And then I found that there were other people that, yeah, I was still connected with them. But the problem with, I, the problem with their situation was I was kind of in an ongoing relationship with them. And, and it almost felt like that bringing this up would cause more problems. Like, you know what, we were kind of moving along. And so sort of bringing this up would take it backwards and make it complicated and and, and, and why deal with that? Because we're going to keep having issues because we're seeing each other all the time anyway. And, and it was just complicated. Am I the only one? So the question is, what do you do? 
How do you live out forgiveness in a messy, complicated world where things don't always fit all nice and tidy like we'd like for them to? Tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about forgiveness. How do I live it out? And the first thing is this. The first principle that we're going to look at from God's Word is when we're trying to understand how do I live out this thing called forgiveness, the first thing we have to learn is this. We've got to learn how to overlook as much as we can. Write down 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Because in that passage, the Bible teaches us to learn to overlook things. When Shannon and I first got married, I remember. I remember it just like it happened yesterday. I remember we were having some intense fellowship, okay? Now, if you've never heard that word, that's basically a euphemism for an argument, okay? So we were having some intense fellowship in, in, around the kitchen table there, and, and so all of a sudden, Shannon got up, and she went to the kitchen. I thought, huh, I'm not done yet. And so I followed her into the kitchen, and she was walking over to the refrigerator, and she was opening up the refrigerator, and listen, you're not going to believe what she said. Are you ready to gasp? As she was opening up the refrigerator, she said, what do you want for supper? Can you believe she said that? What do you want for supper? I want an argument for supper. That's what I want. I'm not done yet. And you know what was so bad about it? Is she meant it. She really meant she was not avoiding, she was not, you know, putting off. She just truly meant it. She was done with it. She was over it. And I got to tell you, that was a powerful moment in my life. Right then and there, I knew that I needed to learn something that Shannon had in her life. She had the ability to overlook things, to let things go. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It's actually quoting Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. But it says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, if you read the rest of the context around that verse, Peter's talking about us getting ready for Jesus to come back one day. Okay, For us living lives that are ready, that one day Christ is coming back and I need to be ready. Amen? Do you realize that? I need to be ready. If you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, that's your first preparation. Tonight, you need to say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to forgive me my sins. I need a reconciliation, a right relationship with you. And I encourage you tonight, if you haven't made that decision, that's the first readiness. But as a child of God, you know, thankfully I'm not worried about my eternity anymore. But I do want to live a life that when Jesus comes back, he's pleased with how I'm living it. Amen? And so Peter's talking to us about that, and in the midst of talking about that, he mentions several things, but he says this. He says, above all, in talking about getting ready for Jesus to come back, he says, more than anything else, isn't that a big statement? Above all, more than anything else, if you want to get ready for Jesus to come back one day, he says, love one another. And actually, it says, keep fervent, and the word really literally means stretch out. I mean, it's talking about a real, solid, fervent effort. He says, because you know what stretched out, fervent love does? By the way, that's God's kind of love, isn't it? You know what that kind of love does? The Bible says that that kind of love covers over a multitude 
a great number. Actually, it's the word where we get our word plethora that's used here. The love, a stretched out, working hard at it, fervent kind of love, covers over a plethora, lots of sins. I remember when my kids were little. Have you ever had this happen, parents? I remember, I'd be sitting there, and maybe it was just after they had just started walking, and they were just sort of starting to explore things, and they were just sort of starting to explore their sin nature, okay? And, and, and that just because mom and dad said it, it wasn't true kind of thing. You know, even just as little babies, you ever notice that? Okay, so they'd be up, and they'd be, I'd be sitting there watching TV, and I'd see one of the kids over there, and I'd see them pull up, you know, up on the couch, and I'd see them reach over for some little trinket on the table, or maybe some cup that somebody had left. And I would see them look over at me. <laughs> be reaching up for it. And just seeing if I was going to say, don't do that. You know what? A lot of times, a lot of times, I learned this is a good parenting technique. Pretend like you don't see it. And I would. I would just, now, I mean, obviously, if it was Shannon's favorite thing or if it was something that my grandma would give me or if it was, you know, a, a cup full of water or tea or something like that, then I would have said, okay, let's be careful there or whatever. But if at all possible, I would just, what? Let it go. And I found that many times acting like I didn't even see it went a long way in their growth and their development. Friends, listen, if you are going to have long-term relationships and our world doesn't very often does it but if you and i are going to have long-term relationships we must learn to overlook as much as we possibly can that's what love seeks to do now as we're talking about this i want us to mark something as concerning for us okay i want us to just sort of mark down something that is a trap for us right now okay now listen to me something happens Many times when we become a Christian. Are you listening? I'm talking about a trap here. I'm talking about something that a flag ought to go up, a caution for us. At first, when we give our lives to Christ, we are so in awe of what God has done for us. We are so in awe that He would forgive us. Amen? Are you kidding me? As much as I've done wrong, are you kidding me? What a great deal. Praise His name. Amen? But we are so in awe of what God has done for us. I'm not even thinking in the least bit about you. Amen? Because I got so many problems, I got so many issues, and God's so willing to forgive me. Man, you know, you're going, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody else. I got my own problems. Some of you are right there, aren't you? And you know what? That is a great place to be. Because sometimes, I would say many times, over time, and I think it starts with a good motivation. As we begin to live our our desire to live our lives differently, and we do, and as maybe even we begin to live our, our lives differently, now here's the trap, pay attention. As we are beginning to change, we begin to expect other people to be at that same place also. And so we go beyond that place of at first, I was like, I got the problems, I ain't worried about anybody else. But now as my life begins to change, I start sort of evaluating other people's place too. And if we're not careful, instead of being patient with other people, we become disappointed in other people. We become critical 
and judgmental of other people. We even begin expecting, listen, isn't this crazy? We even begin expecting better behavior from people who don't even know the Lord. That is why many of us, friend, I'm trying to help you here. That is why many of us get so offended at work. That is why many of us can never find the right church. There's never a group good enough. We're trying to find people who fit a certain standard, which, you know, while we might have grown a little bit, to be honest, we don't fit that standard either. Amen? Isn't that the lie to this? And we keep getting let down by people, imagine, people who are sinners. Can you believe that sinners are sinning? And instead of being known as Christians, the most forgiving, many times we're known in the world as Christians, the least forgiving of people. Now, this does not mean that Christians should ignore everything. Amen? It does not mean that anything goes. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But friends, listen. I believe that the Lord would say to us that we as a people ought to be known a lot more like Ephesians 4.32. Remember we talked about that a message or two ago. We ought to be known as a lot more gracious, as a lot more kind. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. I love that verse. I, every time I read it, I get the chills. I feel like this, it washes over me. You know why? Because I need it. Amen? Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Why? How? For what reason? Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. My question for us tonight is, as Christians, are we known for being kind? Are we known for being gracious? Are we known for being not critical people? You know, how, you know what especially speaks to me? It especially speaks to me when I'm in a situation and I'm more hard to deal with some, than someone who doesn't know the Lord. Have you ever noticed that? I'm in a situation, I'm thinking to myself, I ought to be showing Christ. But in this situation, someone who doesn't even know the Lord is more demonstrating his principles. So if we have God's kind of love in our dealings with one another, we'll be known more for overlooking as much as we can. I'm sure we all need to grow in that, amen? But sometimes you can't overlook something, right? Isn't that true? We, I mean, if tonight we just left with that, okay? We need to learn how to overlook more things. We would still feel like, okay, I need to move more in that direction, but we'd still feel like, but there are some things you need to bring up, amen? There are some things that need to be talked about. Maybe it's a harmful pattern that you see. Maybe it's another person you're responsible for. Maybe there's someone innocent that you're given responsibility to protect. In that situation, I can't overlook something, Amen? Maybe it's a hurt that's too painful or or that's too close or that is too much for you to overlook. In fact, I want to say to you tonight, don't, don't misunderstand overlooking things. Some of us here tonight are overlooking things that need to be brought up. Just like that lady who's allowing that man to continue to hurt her. That's a lie from the enemy to hide that, okay? 
So there are some things that need to be brought up. That leads us to the next thing. We need to overlook as much as we can, but we need to deal with what we can't let go. Let me look at, let's look together at Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18. It says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. That's, that's a good deal, isn't it? Your brother sins, go and show him, talk about it, and then if he listens, you can work it out, and guess what? You got your brother back. That's a good situation, isn't it? But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth, and this is quoting from the Old Testament, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. God's giving his wisdom principles here in dealing with relationships. He says, if he refuses to listen to them, Jesus says, tell it to the church. Tell it to the larger body. And if he refuses to listen even to the larger body, to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Okay, now, there are several things going on in these verses that we could dig into, but right now this is our focus. What if someone does something that I need to deal with? That for whatever reason, I cannot overlook it, I cannot let it go. Here's the instruction that God's Word gives us. Two things that we're going to talk about. First of all, we should go directly to that person. That's what it says in verse 15. If I have a problem, I ought to make it my goal that if at all possible... Aren't we going to seek to do this as we leave this place tonight? If at all possible, we're going to be around each other a lot. If we're constantly bringing up things, we're not going to enjoy each other's relationship. Amen? So if at all possible, we're going to seek to do what? Were y'all paying attention just now? Overlook it. Okay, that's number one. But if I can't overlook it, the Bible says in verse 15, I need to go directly to that person. And meet with them, what does it say? In private, okay? One-on-one, by yourselves. Now, it's a phrase that we sometimes use, and it seems to be something that the Bible affirms the truth of. It's called need to know. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, this is on a need-to-know basis. Dealing with problems on that kind of a basis. Ideally, only those people who are involved with an issue need to be involved with discussions on how to reconcile it. By the way, these verses talk about when you are the one hurt. What does it say? When you're the one hurt, when you're the one impacted by someone else, what are you supposed to do? Go. Write down Matthew 5, verses uh, 22 and 23. In Matthew 5, I mean verses 23 and 24. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says when someone feels hurt or is hurt or feels hurt by you, you're to go. Okay, so pay attention to that. When uh, someone hurts you, you're to do what? Go to them. When you uh, understand that someone feels hurt by you, what are you supposed to do? Go. Hey, isn't that kind of cool? If we both pay attention to the Lord, we ought to do what? Meet on the way. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? So either way, whether you've been hurt or whether someone has been hurt by you, you and I should be working to make things right. So typically, God's Word says, it's best... If at all possible in that situation for the two people to get together and work things out. But sometimes the situation is so severe that you can't do that on your own. Or sometimes you may have tried to do that, but now you need to move on to the next thing. The next thing is in verses 16 through 18. First of all, you try to go directly to that person. You try to work things out. But the second thing you do is you bring in, if necessary, you bring in other people. 
Write that down. If I need to deal with something that I can't let go between me and someone else, I go directly to that person. If that won't work, then I bring in someone else if necessary. Now, again, there's a lot more said here that we can't dive into um, but, uh, because that's not our focus tonight. But I do want to say this. Many Christians focus on this passage that we're reading as the church discipline passage. Okay? Okay, that's the way many Christians focus on and And by the way, I said that, it's a very negative approach to this. I think, though, as we read this, these verses, the focus is actually a positive thing, isn't it? Now, it starts as a negative, right? There's sin going on. Amen. There's a problem. There's something that somebody's doing against somebody else. But the very positive part of it is, hey, we're working hard to do what? What's it saying in these verses? Go to that person. If you talk to them about it and your brother agrees with you, then maybe you'll work things out and you'll win your brother back. Amen? Isn't that God's goal? Is restoration. If you can't do it by yourself, the Bible says, go get some more people and work it out. That's the focus. Even the part, you say, well, what about the treat him as a Gentile? Or treat him as a tax collector? Basically, that passage, many uh, Christians have taken that in a way to, uh, to kind of mean that, uh, that we're just to kick that person out. We're, not, we're no longer to have any sort of relationship with them at all. Now, what the Bible's saying is, yes, at some point, you began seeing your relationship as different with that so-called brother, but not so much in a kick-him-out attitude as a, how do you treat someone who doesn't know the Lord? You try to win them to the Lord, amen? So it is a different relationship, but the relationship changes in the sense of, you know what, we can't act as much like brothers as now I'm doing the best I can to reach out to you and share Christ with you. Because you're acting like an unbeliever. But the whole goal there is restoration. But back to our main focus. When you have issues with someone else, how do you reconcile those things? If the two of you can't do it yourself, you might have to bring in other people. Now, I think the general principle the Lord would give us is this. That need to know as few as possible as have to know. Okay? These may be some things you might want to write down. As few as possible as have to know in a way that preserves, listen, the unity and beauty of Christ and his body. I have a heart that no matter what happens between us, I want Jesus to stay beautiful to the world. Amen? Amen? That's very important. And that if I do involve other people, I need to involve other people that can handle this. Spiritually mature people. People that can handle mediating a situation and people that won't hurt it or people that won't complicate it further by spreading it or by choosing sides or by egging people on. And most of the time, the Bible says that's probably going to be a spiritual leader that God's placed. Write down Exodus 18, verses 21 and 22. In the Old Testament, God set it up that, hey, he sets up leaders, servants in his body who hopefully have some spiritual maturity and some experience and some uh, ability to help people work through things, right down Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. That's the passage in the Bible that talks about deacons. So it might be pastors, it might be ministry leaders, it might be your small group leader, it might be a deacon over a cluster of groups in our church family, of, of growth groups, but whoever it is, it's somebody that you can say, hey, can you help guide us through this? This is God's plan for dealing with issues that we can't let go. Okay, so forgiveness. How do I live it out? If at all possible, 
Now, I just said this, and y'all didn't answer me, so I'm giving you another try. The first thing I'm going to do is to try to do what? Overlook it. Thank you. All the work is worth it. Okay. Overlook it. Secondly, I'm going to try to deal with it, work it out, if at all possible. But number three, I need to be at peace with what I can't control. Write down Romans 12, verse 18. Now, you know, some people act like the Bible is just a bunch of religious sort of platitudes. It's just sort of meaningless, dull, boring. It doesn't have anything to do with real life. But I love the honesty of the Bible. The reality of the Bible, the truth of the Bible. I love it that God, God's Word lives and breathes and works in real life. Because I don't know about you, but as we've kind of gone through this series, there's been a lot of things that were kind of beyond me. Amen? I mean, that's big. I don't see... God, unless you help me, I can't get there. Amen? But I love it that there's verses also like Romans 12, verse 18, that just gives us the reality of, you know what? Here's real life. Look at what Romans 12, verse 18 says. It says, if possible... Now... What does that imply? And it might not be, right? But it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, because I can't take care of everybody else's response, right? But if possible, as far as it depends on you, the Bible says, be at peace with all men. After God's Word gives us some principles for working it through with someone which again, I continue to emphasize, should not be taken as some token effort like some people might treat it. They might say, well, I did the best that I could, but they know they didn't, okay? Now, I want to continue to challenge you. The Bible says that we should not just throw out some effort and then move on. The Bible says that we should be passionate about working things out. We should be passionate about right relationships because God is. In fact, the Bible says this. That we should be very careful to be a uniter and not a divider. Write down Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, there are seven things that God hates. And one of them is someone who divides people. Wow. Wow, that's the negative. But the positive is, in John 17, verses 17 through 23, you know what Jesus prayed for us? You know, many times we call Matthew 6 the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, we call that the Lord's Prayer. Many Christians, though, have rightly said, you know, that's probably the disciples' prayer. Because it's a model prayer for us to learn how to pray as his disciples. But probably the Lord's Prayer would be better, John 17, in that passage where Jesus was actually praying to the Father for us. And if you go back to John chapter 17, in John 17, verses 17 through 23, one of the things that Jesus prayed for us as his followers. Now, this ought to touch your heart tonight, friend. Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, was praying to the Father for us. And by the way, he's interceding for us right now. So don't you think he might still be praying about these same sort of things to the Father? He prayed that we would be together. And not just that we'd be in the same room. He prayed that we would be one. 
that we would be united for unity. Write down Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says that in Ephesians 4 that we should walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling from Jesus Christ. And you know what that is? It says to work hard for the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Bible says that as children of God, we ought to strongly desire to keep one another together on the same page, pulling together, working for each other, working for the Lord, working for the people that God's left us here to make an impact. That ought to be a passion of ours. That speaks to me. How about you? In fact, write down Psalm 133. Sometime, and you're going to say, wow. Psalm 133 is a powerful word about how precious unity is. I have to continue to ask us, Christian friends, are we as passionate about forgiveness and right relationship and unity as our Lord is? But having worked through things in that kind of a way, God's Word tells us, ultimately, isn't it true? There's only so much you can do. Isn't that true? Now again, we're not going to use that as a cop-out. If we've been passionate, we've worked hard, but ultimately, sometimes it is not possible for reconciliation to happen in this lifetime. Or maybe not anytime soon. Like I said, maybe that person passed away. Or maybe you're in the middle of a complicated situation. It's difficult if you're a spouse and you're trying to figure out, how do I reconcile, forgive, when we're in the middle of a custody battle? Right? It's hard to know how that works out right now. Like I said, sometimes it's not best to stir things up and to bring something up that's been settled for a little while. In fact, just to give you an example of that, sometimes it's not best to to bring things up. I've got a friend in my life that that did something about 15 years ago. And you know what? I, I don't really have that much relationship with that friend anymore. We don't live close to each other. We're not, uh, we're not in contact with each other. And you know what? It really wouldn't make a lot of sense for me to bring up that situation to that person because our relationship is not close enough to kind of weather that right now. Does that make sense? So it might be that I just need to do what? Let it go. Get over it. Overlook it. And let it go by the wayside. Or as I said to you earlier, Maybe you reach out to that person to reconcile things, and maybe they say to you, I didn't do anything to you. Well, I don't need your forgiveness. I don't want to hear that. Or maybe they won't even answer your phone calls when you're trying to get to that point. Now, all those scenarios, listen to me, friend. We're talking real practical here. All those scenarios bring up something that's been very frustrating to me about forgiveness. Now, listen. Many times, what happened to me was so hurtful that it took me a while to get to the point of being willing to forgive. Amen? And so now that I've gotten to that point, have you ever, have you ever felt like this? I need to do this. I've got to get this off my chest. I, I, I want to do this because I love the Lord, I'm trying to honor Him, and I need to, I need to give this situation to Him. But that person won't let you do that. Wouldn't that be frustrating? So what do you do? I'm going to give you two things. Here's what I think the Lord would want to say to us. We need to be able to say, honestly, before God, I have done my best. Okay? I have released this person. 
I'm no longer holding on to that thing that they did to me anymore. I've done what I can control, but I cannot control their response. Okay, so here it is. I have a desire to make things right. I have a desire to let things go, to reconcile, to forgive, and all that. But for whatever reason, something's, something's getting in the way of that that's beyond my control. I need to be able to say to the Lord, Lord, before you, you know my heart. Check me, Lord. I think I've done the best that I could do, and I can't do anything else right now, at least right now. Okay? And secondly, this. You may not like this one. Okay? You ready? The second thing is this. But I will keep the door open. This is something the Lord began to speak to me about. That I've, <clears throat> that I've done my best part was not I gave you a chance, you didn't take it, the offer's off the table. That's the way I want to do it. It took me a while to build up. And I was ready. I was in the car, I was on the way there. And you weren't at home today. So it's off the table. Right? <laughs> You didn't answer the phone, whatever. Now listen, what we're saying is, with God's help, I will keep my heart open. There are parts of this that I can't control, but if the opportunity ever presents itself, if reconciliation is possible, I'm open to it. Now listen, and here's for sure, I think, the thing that we need to say. I will not do anything to prevent it or block it. Okay, here's kind of how I think about it. It's complicated, isn't it, okay? So hear, hear me tonight. I'm not trying to give any easy answers. I'm just trying to give you some principles and let the Holy Spirit apply it and you live it out and work it out in your life, okay? But here's what I'm trying to say. I believe what the Lord would say to us is, Robbie, here's a situation that should be better than it is. Is it not because you're blocking it? Does that make sense? If it's not, but you've done everything you can do, then you have to release that and let me do the rest. But make sure tonight it's not because of you. I mentioned John 17 just a moment ago. Write down that. So if you didn't, John 17, but I'm going to turn to it here. John 17, verses 17 through 23. In that passage... The Bible says that Jesus said this. He prayed to the Father. He says that they may all be one. And then he says the purpose is so that the world may believe that you sent me. Okay, friends, here's how important this is. This kind of attitude is what shows Jesus through us to a watching world. Does that speak to you as much as it does me? Okay, now I said to you a couple of times ago, this ain't easy, and I struggle with it, and I can't pull this off, but at the end of the day, I got to do something with this. Because the Lord says it's important. Amen? And here's the biggest thing I got to do with it. If my heart and my actions are blocking others from seeing Jesus when God wants to show himself through me, then I, I'm not happy with that. And i got to figure out a way for God to fix that. Amen?
hard, isn't it? When you want tonight, some of us just, okay, just tell me what to do, Pastor Robbie. Just tell me what to write it down, and I'll go do it. But it's not all that easy, is it, sometimes? You're going to have to take some of what the Lord's saying and say, God, what does this mean for my situation? How would you apply this to my hurt, to my pain? Lord, would you give me the next step that I need to take? Or Lord, have I done everything I can and I just have to give it to you, at least right now? Would you say that to him, Christian? God, I'm willing. Or maybe you would just say to him, Lord, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not willing, but I want to be. Isn't that honest? I've been in places like that. I don't want to forgive. To be honest with you, Lord, if you just want to know the truth, I don't want to do this. But I love you, so if you will help me, I will. I'll at least move in that direction. Just be patient with me, Lord, because this ain't easy. Aren't you glad God is gracious and merciful? Friend, he knows the pain that you've been through. In fact, he paid for it on the cross. No, listen, no. You say, yeah, I know. No, not something like it. He paid for your pain on the cross. Whether it's something you did to someone else or whether it's something they did to you, Jesus Christ paid for that on the cross. That was revolutionary for me. Because I could think of situations in my life that I think, you know, these are 20th or, or 21st century, and, and, you know, Jesus was in the 1st century, so it's not exactly the same. But then I begin to realize he didn't pay for something like mine. No, he died for my situation. So back in the 1st century, he knew what was going to hurt me on this very day. And he paid it all for that. That was life-changing for me. It made me love him more. How about you? Maybe you're here tonight and you would say, I would give my life to a God like that. You should. You really should tonight. I want to encourage you. Give your life to Him. Because He wants to take you in the middle of your pain and He wants to heal you. He may need to forgive you of some things that you've done. But tonight He wants to take that pain that other people have brought into your life and He wants to show you a way out of that. It's not going to swallow you and destroy you like it feels like it might tonight. But you've got to trust Him to lead you out of that by giving your life to Him. Would you bow with me for just a moment? As we give our lives, as we give our situations to the Lord, maybe you just need to be honest with the Lord and say, God, I don't see it. I don't see it, God. I need your help tonight. Please show me the way. Would you do that? Just wherever you are, start right there. Maybe like me sometimes, maybe you just need to say, God, I can't come to you. God, will you just come get me? I'm so far away, I don't even know where to start. Would you come get me, Lord? Lord, would you give me the strength to make that phone call, to write that letter, to, to, to stand in front of that person? God, would you give me the strength to say, Forgive me when they have so much that I need to forgive them for and they're not asking for, for forgiveness. God, how do you do that?
maybe tonight you just need to focus on your relationship with God. Lord, I know I'm never going to be able to forgive that other person until I truly see where I stand before you. Because apparently that's what gets me there. Help me, God, tonight to have a clearer picture of how I've hurt you, Lord. If you're that person that's never accepted that amazing gift, isn't it amazing that God made the first move? We hurt him, and yet he was willing to pay for what we did wrong and then come to us and say, will you take this gift? Wow. Why would God do that? I don't know. He must love us, you think? He must really love us. Would you just say to him, Jesus, thank you for loving me. And I gladly open up my heart and life to you. Please forgive me for what I've done wrong. Would you be the Lord and master of my life from this point forward? Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, as this series, as this emphasis, emphasis comes to a close, Lord, maybe you've been speaking to somebody's heart from day one as we've been talking about this, and they need to settle something tonight before we move on. Whatever it is, help us in Jesus' name. Amen.